You're listening to Reminisce, the Empowered Podcast, where we educate, innovate, and empower community. This is your host, Ryan, and we have some special guests with us today to discuss teaching during the coronavirus. So let's begin by hearing from our guests. They're going to share a little bit about how they show up in this world in relation to to the coronavirus. So, um, Tamara Prosper, can you go first, please? Sure. Um, I am a homeschooling parent, and so I do have experience teaching very young children. I taught kindergarten for a while, and I had an in-home daycare for some years. Uh, But my contribution here is as someone who's been homeschooling prior to this emergency homeschool situation that a lot of parents are faced with. Um, I do have one child in public school. I've got three children. Um, The oldest and the youngest are homeschooled, and uh, it's a unique situation because I didn't always intend to be a homeschooler, although I respect that, and I have a lot of good friends who have been homeschooling their children since kindergarten age. Uh, But I just became very unhappy about some of the school options where I live in New Orleans. Um, Every public school is a charter school now, and it's just a real, it's a very challenging situation to send your children to the schools that you really feel safe and comfortable with as far as their education goes. And so my two homeschooled children are uh, ages 11 and 17, one's in sixth grade and one is a senior. And then my daughter who goes to public school is in ninth grade. And uh, so I just want to share with you all, I have the experience of sending children to school. For most of the time they've been in school, they've been in public school. So it's just this school year since August that I've been homeschooling. So I'm able to look at it from both perspectives. Um, Some other things about me are that I'm a licensed nursing home administrator, but I'm a stay-at-home mom now. And I am a writer. I have a book out called The Elders, published in 2017. I also have a blog called Build and Balance. And I help my husband run our farm fresh food business called Show Fresh Sustainable Foods. Thank you so much for um, coming today to talk about this. And Dr. Foster? Hi, yes. I am a 14-year educator and I'm certified in math and special ed, and currently I teach AVID advancement via individual determination in Prince George's County Schools in Maryland. And right now I teach high school, and so I have always been uh, on the quest to serve in education as I love to learn, and I love to teach kids how to learn, to teach them new things. And in terms of my free time, I am currently working on a book for brand-new educators um, as well as I like to travel, and I like to share my travels with my students, and then I also like them to share their travels with me as I I teach a lot of international students. All right. So um, thank you for coming. My first question is, were you able – to prepare your students ahead of time before there was a um, total shutdown at your school? And what did that preparation look like? Um, Well, I'll start. It was somewhat easier because I only have 
three students that I'm responsible for. Uh, this is Tamara. Um, Mm-hmm. For my two homeschooling students, there really wasn't a whole lot that I had to do, although my senior is in a dual enrollment program at a local university, and so really I just had to stay aware of what was going on at the university um, and keep track of when they were shutting down and what her needs were going to be to do her college courses at home. My child that attends public school, we were just getting emails, I'd say every day for about a week saying we might close or we're thinking about it or these are the things to be aware of. And finally, on the final day, they said uh, we're going to close on Monday. I got an email on Thursday night that they were going to close for a week the following Monday. And if you chose not to send them to school that Friday, it would be viewed as an excused absence. And so I chose to keep her at home that day, and I just shared some of that information with some of the other parents who weren't getting all of the emails from that school. So it was fairly easy because I'm not responsible for as many children. Mm-hmm. So how did you prepare your children emotionally to deal with the transition, especially your senior? For her, it's been such a transition because she went to public school from pre-K through 11th grade. And so homeschooling itself was a huge transition for her. Um, The transition to home with her university class has been fairly easy because she just logs in with her laptop and she has seen me work on my master's degree in an online program uh, because the university Mm -hmm. that I attended for my master's degree is about four hours away from here. So she's seen me do college courses online, and I think that kind of eased her into it a little bit. And to be honest, many of her classmates at the university are older students anyway. They're not the regular early 20s college-age students. So it's not really her peer group, so it wasn't so much of, you know, missing being around your, old, you know, your people. Most of them have families and children and jobs. She's the only teenager. So for her, it was just actually easier because she didn't have to leave to go anywhere to go to class. And um, I think just emotionally, we we are a family that kind of does things a little bit differently anyway. And so I think making the adjustment hasn't been as huge for us. For example, my husband grows food, so we can just go in our garden and get certain things as opposed to being so worried um, about going to the grocery store to get things. Can't get Lysol from the garden, but food and things. So I think it was just slightly easier for our family because we already do things that are a little bit different from the norm. Mm-hmm. So you have been able to sustain your family because of the um, practices that you put in place ahead of time. So I think that's something that, you know, we should consider moving forward in how can you make your family um, sustainable in difficult times. And one of those ways is by having your own garden so you can grow your own food. And, you know, even in cities that is possible, um through, um, I believe it's called hydroponics. So there's different ways that families can provide food for themselves besides going to the grocery store. 
And um, Dr. Foster, how have, were you able to, you know, prepare your kids ahead of time, and what did that preparation look like? Yes, yeah, so we were notified at 5 p.m. on a Thursday, and we had about an hour to plan on Friday once we arrived at school. And the building was closed at 3 p.m. on Friday. I was I was in shock. I didn't know that it was going to come that fast or that it was coming down the pipeline. And I'm kind of still in shock. Um, you know, the Maryland legislators, actually, they have shut down session as of today, and they have not had to shut down session since the Civil War, uh, just many decades ago, uh, centuries ago. And so that was my initial reaction. The kids, of course, were very nervous on Friday, I noticed. Um, they, a lot of them said they wanted to cry. They didn't know what they were going to do for this time off. And a lot of them already said, like, we're not coming back. Like, we're not going to come back in two weeks. And so kids actually, you know, they they kind of know. Um, and so, you know, to support them emotionally, I have made myself available via email so they can check in with me via email, and I try to check that once a day and respond to them, as well as I have um, the app Remind. I have that set up so that they can text me and I can text them back without me having their personal cell phone information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also um, teach high school students, and um, what I did was on not the first day that we were off, but the second day that we were off, I went through and I called all the families, and, you know, it was it caused some anxiety for me, too, because I talked to one family, and the, the child wasn't feeling well, So and he was talking about how his throat was hurting. So, you know, I was just sharing information that I learned um, online about how to care for yourself during this time, mm-hmm. and it, it also was a family that um, wasn't, didn't speak English as their first language, so then I had to work through that um, barrier of not being fluent in Spanish and still being able to give advice. And I set up some virtual meetings. So today, actually, we had the virtual meetings, and that child was feeling better um, by the time my session happened. So, you know, it's kind of like up and down <laughs> for me as far as I my really like that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was no, going to say I'd really like to add that my ninth grader who goes to public school, uh, I was very, very impressed and appreciative of her physics teacher who, instead of sending out information about the lessons immediately, just wrote a very kind note to the students through the Google Classroom on um you know, relaxing, deep breathing, taking an assessment of how they feel, um, trying not to be anxious or stressed out about it. Uh, Because my daughter who's in school, her school isn't sending their their classwork out until tomorrow, and then they're going to resume classes on Monday, but it will be uh, via, you know, the Internet. And this teacher just took the time out just to send a little note of encouragement to her students that has nothing to do with physics at all. And I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely important um, to gain some stability. And still, even though we're social distancing, doesn't mean that we have to 
lose social connections. Um, so that's important to hear. And I'm happy that other people are focusing on the emotional stability of the students. So um, how can we prepare parents to transition to this de facto homeschooling experience? Well, I would say that because it's just thrown at them, it's it's even more important for them to understand that homeschooling, even when it's with the construct of a public school curriculum and the guidance of the teacher, homeschooling is still very flexible. You don't have to manage hundreds of children. Um, you're not under all of these same things that teachers are being managed by. No one's coming in looking over your shoulder to assess your teaching style. Um, the things that teachers have to worry about with these large classes of students, in most cases, won't apply to family members. And so I think that's one thing uh, that people can really relax about and understand that your child can, if they've got, if they're doing it via the internet, um, if they're just sending paper classwork home, whatever the individual schools are doing, the fact that it's at home means that there's a bit of flexibility there and you don't have to all of a sudden understand French to help your child do French class or whatever the class is going to be. Um, that's one thing that I've seen with homeschoolers. No homeschoolers alike. People who have planned for homeschooling and, and do it when there's no emergency all do it differently. And so I think that's the best thing for parents to understand is that there's no one way to do it. You can figure out work, what works for your family. A lot of these parents are not stay-at-home parents, and if they are at home, they still have to work during certain business hours. And so I would suggest just trying to find ways to make it work within each individual household and not try to fit yourself into a cookie cutter recipe because we're just in uncharted territory here. And I would also say maybe don't Google everything because it's almost like the people who Google illnesses and they become their own Google doctor. Um, and all of a sudden they're hypochondriacs and they have every symptom. I think it can be extremely overwhelming for parents who are trying to hurry up and put this homeschool thing together to be bombarded with all of the information about homeschooling that's online. So maybe just pick a few things here and there and work with that. And then if that doesn't work, go back and try something else because it doesn't have to be set in stone. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important to set up your own style um, because even in the classroom, we have our own styles as educators. And that's style grows over time. So parents should, again, like you're saying, do a strat, learn one strategy, implement it. If it works, then keep going. If it doesn't, try something new. Um, do you believe that there's, that the students should be working for like seven hours a day, um, just like they are in school, or would it look differently at home? I think it will definitely look differently at home because, again, there's just not the volume of children to manage. 
and a lot of education is classroom management. Um, so even just the time it takes, if you're doing something interactive and you're raise, you know, the kids are raising their hands and answering, maybe you've got 10 or 12 kids who respond. Well, that takes a long time compared to your one or two or three children at home who are responding and interacting. You don't have that same time frame of walking in between classes, of having to settle the whole group down. So I really think, and it is um, dependent on age, but younger children, like early elementary school children, probably wouldn't need more than three hours at a time. And then, you know, middle school a little more and high school, maybe four, maybe five hours tops. And that would include probably a lot of the time that they would have spent on homework if they were in the school building because you just don't have those logistical issues that you have when you're managing students at a school. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Foster, what advice would you give to parents who are moving into this de facto homeschool experience? Well, first I want to say that I do agree with Ms. Prosper and, like, the parents' understanding of homeschooling. And, of course, I don't know if that's the role of me as a public teacher or the public school necessarily to be able to explain that. Like, they can be able to Google that or figure that out themselves, as well as, you know, homeschooling occurs on the holidays, breaks, and summertime and weekends. Um, since we're already at home, there wasn't a lot of time for parents to be transitioned, per se, but I think that videos and webinars from the superintendents and especially the instructional directors, a lot of parents need to understand that it cannot be solely the superintendent. You know, they're all doing the best that they can, but in every school district, there are instructional directors that manage the curriculum for each subject area. And so I think that they need to begin their rollout of public relations um, when it deals with each subject area and to be able to give parents the tools and the resources. Because yes, teachers will have some, but the instructional directors are placed in those job roles to have it all. Um, as well as just being able to have a data bank as a teacher to be able to contact um, parents and contact students um, with a data bank of curriculum. I know that two that I personally use is articles from Edutopia and I will send that out to parents and students and discuss the tools in there, as well as a personal finance um, website that I use called Next Gen Personal Finance. And it's just a time for, you know, students to kind of not go by the regular public school curriculum, you know, like college or a liberal arts curriculum, learn about other things, cooking, nature, uh, finance, things that you may not get on the public hands-on curriculum, but you can learn hands-on real world while you're at home with your parents. Mm -hmm. I think that's essential right now, too, because it's also building bonds with your family members as well and valuing the people that are around you. Um, so what ways do you think that this de facto homeschooling experience is impacting communities that are economically disadvantaged? Um, I would say in well, New Orleans, I can just say that a lot of people don't have Internet service at their home. Um, a lot of people don't have laptops or computer access at their home, and children who used to 
have computer homework, we're always free to go to the local libraries. We've got local libraries in every neighborhood, and they all have huge computer areas, but the libraries are closed now. Um, and so I believe it was 5,000. I'm not sure the exact number, but um, the Orleans Parish School District gave out 5,000 hotspots to try to assist oh. with that. And then other organizations are donating laptops or are, um, you know, offering the space for people to come in and use their computers in a spread out space where they're not close and everything's being disinfected regularly. So the community and the school board are trying to figure out ways to fill in those gaps for the uh, people who just don't have the access to technology. Mm. Yeah, and I would, um, after that, I totally agree with that with the technology. I think that all schools weren't prepared. Some schools were. Um, I would definitely say, especially private schools and charter schools, just in talking to other teacher friends and friends with kids. But I think that we, like the public school system, is also supporting the students and families by still providing uh, meals per day, right? Because a lot of kids mm -hmm. do rely on the schools for their meals and having it open for them. And it gives them a chance to get out the house and get some sunlight and some vitamin D and go to mm -hmm. a surrounding that they're familiar with. Yeah, they're doing that here as well. And the, the children, it doesn't have to be their own school. If you don't live in the neighborhood where your school is, you can just go to the closest school in your neighborhood um, because they know that not all parents are home from work. Some people are required to still go to their workplace and the children don't have transportation. So they try to make it walkable. And there are restaurants here as well who are um, offering free lunch meals for children. It's important. It's important to see that the community is stepping up to fill in the gaps that the school systems are having. And, you know, although I believe at times when we didn't have the coronavirus going on, community did step up, but it will be amazing if community members continue with the same zeal that they have now in order to meet those needs. And I believe that happened that a lot of the barriers that our school systems have probably wouldn't have them as much um, moving into the future. So, you know, I, although I believe that this is really perilous time, um, we still have an opportunity to learn and grow from this experience as well. So um, speaking of learning and growing, how are you gaining professional development or um, personal development during this time in the remote experience? Um, well, for me, for this is Tamara. I, um, because my public school daughter is not in school, I spend a lot less time driving because her school is way across town from our home. Um, and so I'm, I spend probably three hours a day in the car. And wow. now I have more time to focus on our businesses. I've been doing a lot more writing. Um, I was actually able to complete a blog post about homeschooling um, to support the new and, you know, the, I've been calling them the emergency homeschoolers. Um, 
and then really more time to just kind of think and settle and develop some business plans for the things that um, we're trying, businesses we've already been working on from home. But now I've just got a little bit more time to, you know, to develop them and think more thoroughly about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does your farm play a part in your community during this time? Um Right now, we are we're still providing fresh food for people. Uh, my husband and I were talking about what are our protocols going to be because we do a sale every Saturday. And so we talked about maybe taking the blue painter's tape and marking it out um, on the sidewalk so people can see what the distance of six feet actually looks like um, and just making sure that we keep you know, last weekend when we sold as well, I had gloves, I had hand sanitizer, things like that. Um, and we're encouraging people to come out to purchase things from us because it is outside. It's not in an enclosed place. Um, hopefully it'll be sunny again like it was last weekend. And so um, when you're trying to avoid contagion, you don't want to be in a tight enclosed place with the same air circulating around. And so I hope that our mission that we've always had, which has been to bring fresh local produce to people that's affordable as opposed to some of the national stores that people know about that cost much more than the regular grocery stores, um, we're continuing along those lines because we were just talking about, hey, you can buy all the toilet paper and the disinfectant and, and the water, but when we've been to the stores, the produce section looks the same. And it's like if you want to be healthy, you need to feed yourself healthy things to build your immunity. And so we're just expanding on that, which has always been our mission. I think that's one of the lessons that we all need to learn for sure is how are you taking care of your body in order to live a fulfilling life. And I think that's going to, you know, show clear to the students that that's something that society cares about. Because we haven't right. shown that, that that's something that we care about overall. So um, thank you, ladies, for coming um, to Reminisce the Empowered Podcast. If you could just close out by sharing your final thought or summary of how we can continue to support families in this transition to de facto homeschooling. It would be great, and then I will close this out. Well, I was going to say that I think that every teacher right now should focus on personal self-care and body maintenance and, of course, trying new recipes, learning how to cook from home as well as reading, right, keeping your mind sharp, but also professionally learning new online tools because the trajectory of education is, is moving, it's ever-changing. And even if K-12 doesn't move completely 100% online, I think after this situation, there's definitely going to be a push to have at least a few days online, if not summer school online, um, some type of extra courses online while they're still going to K-12, 
And, of course, just working on those kind of tools and kind of honing them so that when that opens up, you can bring those resources to your school district or you already know about the resources that are there, as well as maybe talking with parents to find out what has worked best for you during this time, right? Because if we can work along with the parents to see what works best for them, we can learn and then expand on that. And we know that will be successful because that's what's worked best for the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would encourage parents and families and, and caregivers to not overthink. Um, we're really, everybody is making this up as we go along. Even the homeschoolers who were already homeschooling, because I have, I have homeschooling friends who are now bringing in other children, their neighbors or their, you know, their loved ones, um, to do their regular school schooling with the homeschooled children because a lot of parents still have to work and there may not be older siblings. If all of your children are young, you just can't leave them at home all day. And so I would say don't overthink it. There's enough stress. There's enough concern going on with everything else right now. Right now, just find something, try it, see if it works for you. And if it doesn't work, don't feel devastated. Just try a new thing and see how it works. We have to remember, we taught these people how to walk, how to use the bathroom, how to eat, how to talk. So we've been teaching our children from the beginning. We're just not used to teaching them uh, a curriculum. And so I just, I, I urge parents to remember those things and try to relax to the extent that they can. All right. Thank you so much for coming. This is your host, Ryan Reed, and we're signing off.